Everybody, welcome to the first episode ever of Reads and Weeds. Yay! Woo! Yes, we are here at CBR in Redford, Michigan. And I want to make sure I've got everybody here. Waggles here. Lauren, are you here? I'm here, but I did just lose you, but I came back. You got me back. Just talking about this is the first episode of Reads and Weeds, and we're going to be talking about what we talk about when we talk about God. So... For those of you who didn't know, Rob Bell recently was touring around Michigan, Grand Rapids, Royal Oak, his big mega church. I think it started in Wyoming, Michigan. But anyway, I've read another book of his called Love Wins. And full disclosure, I've read this book three times now because another book club read it. Then I listened to it on a long drive and then I discussed it and then I reread it so I could talk about it with you guys. So I am deep into this and I can't wait to hear what you guys think about it. So I am curious from whoever wants to chime in, when you heard this title based on how you grew up and what your experience has been with church or religion or whatever, how did you react initially to the title? Was it anger, curiosity? Were you resistant? Like, I want to hear about that. I'll go first. Okay. So I have sort of an unusual upbringing with God because my parents raised me without any sense of religion or God at all. Mm. I grew up in a very small town on the west side of the state, like Battle Creek, Kalamazoo area, but the middle of nowhere, I had 80 acres to play on, horse farm. No concept of God was taught to me. Mm -hmm. However, I also rode the bus with a lot of people who were steeped in Christian Mm. religion. So at some point, I had some questions, right? Mm -hmm. People were talking about, Forgive me if I say something offensive because sometimes the details escape me for religion. Yeah, it's okay. Um, oh, you can't offend any of us. Don't no, worry no. About and plus, it. that's well, the point of this book, I yeah. think. I think that's the point of this it's book. It's kind of the point yeah, of the book, it's right? The point of the book. So I have, two, I, I have two yeah. major like interactions with God that bring me to the point I am today. So one is I come home from school and I'm like, people are talking about God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost, and there's some kind of trinity, and I don't really know what they're talking about, and can you explain it to me? Mm -hmm. I also grew up with a lot of fantasy books, so my mom explained to me that, well, maybe Jesus had some magic that was sort of like our common ground for me to find some sort of base as a small child. So that original concept isn't to me that far off from the concepts in this book Uh uh I mean it's maybe it's a step aside but it's a relatable comparison yes yes I agree so I had no real image of God is what I'm trying to say there was no image for me I grew up very natural it was sort of a natural concept that there was more but everyone else had a very structured concept of God Mm -hmm. around me And my parents did too, and it was their choice to not teach me anything that I should find out for myself. And then the next big interaction that I had was with my biology teacher, Mrs. Cranzi, who at this time, this was, I'm in high school, this is like the mid to late 90s, and there's a lot of new publicity around people protesting evolutionism in the schools. There's a lot of that happening right now. So one day, Mrs. Cranzi, she's a bit of a spitfire. Mm Mm-hmm. She says, I don't know if any of you have been listening to this media coverage, 
which half of us weren't because we're all a bunch of country bumpkins, right? Right, right. I don't know if you've been listening to any of this media coverage, but I don't want you guys to stop paying attention to what I'm teaching you because right. of this media coverage because I want you all in this classroom to know, and I think she did this to all of her classrooms because she was clearly impassioned by it. Mm-hmm. She said, I don't see any reason there isn't God in biology. And yeah. I don't see any reason there isn't God in evolution. And if you have questions and you want to ask me about that, I'm very happy to talk about it. And her explanation was much longer. Yeah. So she was a very brave woman, I thought. Yeah. And especially in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two major concepts that have built sort of my image of God. Mm -hmm. So for me, reading this book, a lot of it for me was... Like, I understand that other people don't come to this realization this quickly mm-hmm. in life, mm-hmm. but, like, I was just kind of like, well, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah. That's just kind of the yeah. way I see it. Gods <laughs> and plants and food and friends and stuff, of course. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is the way I see it. Blah, blah, blah. Got it. And I'm someone that I have no idea how to talk to people who have a structure in religion because I just don't have that educational background. Yeah. I have some experience with, like, looking into Buddhism and other things of that nature. But um, for me, this book, I think, is going to strike a different chord for me mm-hmm. because it's more about how do I talk to other people, which is what I found compelling about the title. You know, how do you talk to other people with different backgrounds and educations? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Chris, Lauren, are y'all on? I'm, I'm back. Okay, Chris is back. So, Chris grew up in the same kind of town as me, but I don't know if she grew up going to a big Southern Baptist church the way that I did. And everybody that I knew, kind of like 90% of the people I knew, went to some church. You wouldn't even say, do you go to church? You'd say, what church do you go to? And then inside that structure, there was how you dressed in church. There was where you sat in church. There was which church you went to. And there was a seriousness to it that I didn't quite understand. And I remember as a very young child being in little church school room, and I loved going to church school, but asking the questions that weren't supposed to be asked, or that's what I thought, you know, like, if God made the whole world, who made God? And it was just like, oh, don't worry about it, (laughs) you know? And I'd be like, well, (laughs) what about dinosaurs? Were dinosaurs made first? You know, like, those little questions that it was just like, that's not what you're supposed to be learning. You're supposed to be learning this other thing. And I don't think I ever really let go of that. I I was always going like, no, 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 no. God could have just created DNA, right? And God could just be like the Big Bang, same thing, right? Like, and when I threw things out like that in my little small town, it caused fear. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, why are you talking like that? Like, even recently talking to my mother, I felt like I just threw something out, you know, about probably just God loving people like us, you know, and she was worried that I wasn't raised right or something. And I was like, um, pretty sure God's supposed to love everybody. Is that not what we're doing now? You know, but what was your interpretation of that scene, Chris? What exact scene are you guys talking about? We're talking about how this book, what we talk about when we talk about God, how this book, like coming from your background, what was your very Mm -hmm. first reaction to like, oh, we're going to do a book about God coming from your background. Mm -hmm. What was your very first reaction? Was it curiosity? Was it anger? Was it resistance? What was it? Well, I mean, it was mostly curiosity Mm -hmm. because of the title. And I thought... I'd said to you before, it's a nod to Raymond Carver's short story. This is what we talk about when we talk about love. And lots of other pop writers. There's a book called What We Talk About When We Talk About Anne Frank. Did you know that? (laughs) Yeah. Or What We Talk About When We Talk About Football. What We Talk About When We Talk About Love. Yeah. So it's definitely out there. But that kind of got me curious because the short story is just so loaded. And I just thought, okay. My initial reaction was totally curiosity. And I was pretty excited to check it out honestly. 
I did go to Presbyterian Church, actually just right down the road from where you guys lived. You know that Presbyterian Church that was at the end of your turnoff off the little highway there? No, we didn't go that direction. <laughs> no, you did. You passed it every time you got really? on Paris Bridge Road. Paris Bridge Road. Oh, Isn't that? my God. My brain just split open. Paris Bridge Road. Like, well, I think that's, that was the main road. Okay, but, uh, yeah, but, for sure. And I went to church with you, so I went to the big... <gasps> church, and they they like secured the corner there in town mm-hmm. and so for me going with you guys to the big church it was just like going to the most popular group of people that also went to Boiling Springs High School right. so for me it was just the social affirmation that I was in the right church oh interesting okay yeah the little Presbyterian church was cool and I liked it and I I had definitely some good years there but I did not I was kind of maybe coming from New Orleans to South Carolina too like I I think somehow maybe I picked up in New Orleans that there was this feeling behind things maybe it was the music or just the way people lived and so when we got to the Presbyterian church I was just kind of like oh this is cool talking about love we're gonna sing these songs I like my teacher. Yeah. I was into the scene. My image of God and all that, it wasn't that I was opposed to it or anything like that. I just was kind of like, oh, yeah, I talk to the ceiling at night and it talks back. And Mm. that worked for me. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I love this book because I feel like I realize now what a spiritual journey I've been on. What a transition between what my picture of God or religion or spirituality used to be and how many iterations between whatever 15 years old and now it has been a wild ride, you know? And I think a lot of it has been trying to get to where this, everything that was laid out in this book, I wanted everybody to go, no, you don't understand. You're looking in the face of God when you're walking through the woods, you know, you're like, we can talk about it that way and there's nothing scary about it, right? There's nothing, it doesn't have to be valuable. We don't have to be at odds with each other. It doesn't have to cause all these problems if we look at the language and look at everything a different way. So yeah, let's start talking about the first chapter, hum. So tell me this. So the first word, hum, do you remember the Oldsmobile analogy? Yeah. Like is God outdated? Is God Mm -hmm. back there? There's yep. a misinformation going around, like, you go to this conference and it says, like, during the resurrection, there's going to be no gays, or people who believe in God don't need science, or people just don't not thinking that they have a personal use for God. So, the right. Oldsmobile example, I'm curious what you think of that. Hmm. I mean, it was a fine analogy, and I got it, and I think he brought his point home that, like, he says somewhere in Chapter 1 that we're at this turning point when we're talking about God. And then he goes into the uh, Oldsmobile analogy, and I get it. People want to cling to the things that they know have always worked. I mean, he brought the point home well enough. I wish Rob would have been a little more. He he, he just brushes like it's a great point and all that, mm-hmm. and I and the hum and but he talks about how he came to the, all of this because he was having a lot of doubt. And even the Oldsmobile analogy, it's like it keeps it super light. It just, it keeps it super light. Like, oh, I'm going to use this Oldsmobile now. It's an old car. And I just wish he would have gone a little more exploratory on what's the underbelly of people wanting to or needing to cling to their their dark side. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, and you don't think he gets there later? I don't feel like he never engages me. He alludes to his dark time. 
Oh, but he you left. want to hear more about his yeah. dark time. Yeah, his dark time. Yeah, that's what, throughout the experience of the whole book, so it's like the analogy of the ultimate bill is fine, but as a book as a whole, it also represents just a really fluffy, easy example. And maybe he's doing that because he knows that's what's going to get to the largest population of people. He's got to choose something like a car or something everybody can relate to. So in terms of like getting it to that level of the discussion, it was great. But for the whole book, I'm like, come on, man. Like, mm, tell okay. me more about that dark side of keeping things in the past. Tell me more, because that's playing out in really, really big ways. Tell me about that in your personal life. You're writing this book because of it, and you tell me it was dark, and you tell me it was life-changing, but I have zero idea of what that was really like for you on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so I felt like the Oldsmobile example, he was talking to, I think, the A through Ds. You know what I mean? And those of us who are up at, like, R, we're just waiting for him to get into the deep stuff. I want to say that my issue with that analogy with the alphabet was that it was a little too linear for me. Oh, Mm. Because for me, maybe because I'm a little bit on the outside of this discussion Mm. some of the times. Yeah, yeah. You know, things aren't really A to Z for me. They're, like, over here in the Greek language. Sure, sure. A lot. (laughs) They're not even letters. I don't know what they're... They kind of look like letters, but I'm not really sure what they are. (laughs) I hear you. So for me, some of that was like, this is a concept that helps people to visualize God being with you and moving you forward. Yeah. You don't... You're not at the end ever. Like, no one's at Z. No one's at Z. Never. And no one is ever between Z and A, maybe. I don't know. Right. Right. So, yeah. like, for me, my, my thought on that was just, time yeah, <laughs> they've got to learn the whole Roman <laughs> alphabet already. Alphabet. Like, geez, just a little bit too linear for me. Oh, and also, I, I felt like it involved, whereas the point of this book is to say, like, God loves you no matter where you are and yes, to move you yes. forward. Everything he said for me also had a level of judgment involved. Oh. Which I understand that his point was like, let's not judge each other. But also, I don't see how there wasn't judgment in everything he had to say. And I don't mean that in a negative fashion. I mean that in a human fashion. Like, we judge each other. We evaluate. And I really liked his part where he started to talk about, there are things that you just fundamentally in your core know are wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are people who do them anyways. Mm -hmm. And they do it in the name of God and feeling that God is calling them. For me, that analogy was way too linear and way too simple, Mm. but I think it's a good analogy. I'm not Mm. saying it's a bad analogy, but I think it's a place to start. I think it's really hard to imagine this book speaking to anyone who isn't Christian. Oh, interesting. Mm. I've never really identified as Christian necessarily, so like it speaks to me, but you know, I think if you're not open to that or you don't have experience with that religion, this this book doesn't speak to you. Oh, interesting. Okay, so Lauren, now you're on. Let's hear you. Based on how you grew up and whatever, what was your initial response to getting into this book, to the title, everything? Right. Most people here know me. Chris, you don't know me that well, but let me tell you, I am a skeptic. (laughs) I am definitely not someone who's into organized religion at all, and so so I did this for Shelly Michelle. I will say that. And this is why I think she brought us together because we're like, hmm, we're the thinkers. But I'm not into organized religion. And Chris, when I caught the last little bit of what you were saying there, how this book could not you know, speak to you unless you were Christian, that is something that I initially thought based on the title, right? Mm-hmm. But I was listening to the guy read it, and, yeah. I, and me, I'm not a Christian, 
a skeptic, I was like, well, I'm kind of into this a little bit because talking about holism and the magic in the universe, there were parts mm-hmm. of it that I was like, I kind of like what you're laying down a little bit. I think knowing that he is Jesus-y and knowing that he is a pastor <laughs> is like, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a word, right? Yeah. Because it's so there's a, a lot of bad, mm-hmm. there's a lot of bad judgment. Mm-hmm. I, heard, I heard what you're saying in the world, right? Like organized religion can do bad things. So that's kind of like a stopper, you know, when you start to think about what we talk about when we talk about God, you know? And mm-hmm. I think God is a very Christian term. And I don't know. I'm kind of going on a tangent. Well, no, 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 it's good. No, no, it's good because like, see, what I loved about the book was that he is like, think about West Michigan. It's pretty conservative. And he built this huge church there. And some of the things that he's saying are things that anybody that I know from over there would think are very radical, like radical. They would think he was a complete, total radical. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful that he's talking like this. And he's really, mm-hmm. really popular. I mean, he's been selling out the same places that, like, Dave Chappelle sells out, which for me is like, oh, he's getting people. That's awesome. Like, when I go to my yoga studio and I get a little notebook and you write in it every day and you say, dear, wonderful wisdom within, dear, loving source, you know, I'm praying to my, you know, goddess. And all of those to me sound mm-hmm. the same. They all sound the same. But there was a mm-hmm. time period in my life when God was a man and had a lot of problems with it because mm-hmm. I didn't want him to yeah. be a father. And it was about being dressed up and being in a building. And at some point I was like, oh, this isn't what this is about. You know, this is just not what this is about. This is the way my particular culture has cast it. But it's just like yeah. studying anything. Like if you only read one Shakespeare book and you go, yeah, I got it. I understand all of Shakespeare. So when people go, oh, yeah, I went to church when I was 16. I went to church camp. Yeah, I, I, got, I got that. It's like, no, no, no. Spirituality and mysticism, I think, is like a lifelong, y- you know. Right. What, what I yeah. liked about the book was where I came from was this very like Jesus looks this way and he's a man and it's a masculine text. Right. And this is how you dress, and this is what you do. And, and the do- South with a capital S. With a capital S. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For show. For show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. God's yeah. country. Yeah. It's God's country. So, okay. Oh, God. Yeah, for yeah. show, for show. So, if you've never heard of Rob Bell, I read Love Wins, which he talks about living with mystery rather than demanding certitude. So, the reason why I went into it with cool. a certain amount of openness is because he's like, let's not make it one thing. You know, he's trying to widen the very use of the word. Not even the use of the word, but like whatever you call it, this thing. You know? Yeah. So anyway, okay. So let's move on a little bit and talk about, so, well, I can see where you guys want to go, but I'm curious when he talks about being open. That's the first thing Mm -hmm. because the universe is weird and what language does to help us and what language does to fail us. And then, Uh and then the with for ahead. So I'm curious, first of all, how did you like that structure? Anyone who wants to jump in and also the be open, the thing about language, just any of that, that whole topic. Because I loved those having those little subcategories of words. So, yeah. Who wants to jump in? Okay. This is Chris. So I have to pause on the controversial thing for just a second. Okay. In trying to be open about Rob Bell and just trying to be really aware of all the biases that I bring in, I'm like, you know... I get why this book would be controversial to the kinds of Christians that he's saying are the Oldsmobile, basically. So if he's in part in writing this book, if his audience to some degree are the Oldsmobiles, then I get that this book would be controversial and he addresses that. Yeah. But I just have to say 
that for me, I don't see it as controversial at all. Right, and right. I think there's a large, large part of the United States that the fact that a book like this would be controversial is frightening to some degree. Because the message is pay attention to how you feel. That's important. And God is everywhere. So, yeah. Seems simple enough. <laughs> it seems simple enough. Right? <laughs> It does. It seems simple enough, but think about the people you encounter on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. And I wonder about Rob Bell if how conscious he is. And to be honest, to bring in like our modern politics right now, I was disappointed that he didn't address some of the really violent evidence of racism in our country and that he never really got into talking about the conflict around our definitions about God and Islam. And I really felt like those two not being present in the book, but kind of mentioning Buddha or mentioning uh, Martin Luther King, they were mentioned, but it was never like, this is on the table. Okay. Okay. No, I agree. That's what I was thinking about a lot because I was waiting for the last chapter through the whole book. I'm not going to lie. Like, because that for (laughs) me was what this whole book was about. Like, because the stuff that he's talking about isn't a new idea to me in most yeah, part yeah, yeah. about being oh, this open, is about being present, about all of this stuff. What mm-hmm. I was really waiting for in the end was like, how do we talk to each other and how do we move forward into a place? And forward is maybe not the best term because I just said it was too linear for me. But mm-hmm. in the context of this book, how do we move forward to the point where we can address child abuse? How do we move forward into a place where we can address our politics in this country where we value money over human life? Mm-hmm. How do we move Mm -hmm. forward into a place where because I really would like to believe and would love to believe and I'm not you know I'm not saying I don't but I just would very much love to have it proved to me that like this is a book that could speak because I would like any book honestly to speak to people in a way where they stopped hurting other people in Mm -hmm. selfish and power designs right Mm -hmm. and I'd I'd love that to happen in in any way shape or form and Mm -hmm. I feel very passionately about that However, for me, my concept was disconnected through, I'm not going to lie, through the beginning of these things because I was listening to what he was saying, but I was also wondering how do we apply that to each other in a way that actually is loving and open and with, and then we move forward? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we actually get to the ground level with people? How do we actually have that conversation with someone who strapped a bomb to themselves? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? Or walks into a school with guns. Yeah. 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 This is Lauren. Can I jump in here? Yeah. I'm hearing both of you have to say and I agree on a couple of different parts I feel like I want to take this Oldsmobile reference and like make a larger analogy based on like this text so I think the problem with organized religion and a lot of things you guys are talking about like racism or phobias of other religions or you know all the violence and stuff like that it's like the Mm -hmm. problem with organized religion and how people identify is that they want to scream I'm an Oldsmobile or I'm a Subaru (laughs) right and it's like rush hour traffic and everybody is fighting one another and it's like exactly like that horrible scenario where you're screaming at your car because someone cut you off. It's like the, the identity as like Oldsmobile or Subaru or Ford, those all represent like the religions, even like the many different flavors of Christian, right? And mm-hmm. people get way more into the identity of their organized religion than thinking about belief, right? Like religion yes. and belief are very different and yes. I think that even ties in the whole word thing because he mentioned that too right Mm -hmm. it's like 
that's what gets in the way. That's that's what gets in the way of me judging this book by the cover because I'm like, man, I don't want to talk about what you what I think you think God is because I think you're right. a Christian, you know? Right, right. I got yeah. my own ideas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, you know what's interesting is yeah. the the rush hour traffic. I also thing. just drove home in rush hour, so oh. <laughs> it's okay. In yeah. Chicago, so yeah, yeah, a little bit right. close to home. I hear you. I hear you. See, I think I'm thinking about what Kristen just said about like how do we use this on a day to day basis to like be kind to each other. For me, I think the point that he gets to eventually several times is that as soon as we realize we're all one, then a huge thing is realized about God, and so committing violence violence against an other first has to be based on the fact that you believe that they are other. And so when there's huge divisions mm-hmm. in a family or in a town or between countries, whatever, it first depends on someone believing that there's an us and a them instead of one big right. life source coursing through all of us. And so I think the importance of understanding the whole like, yeah, it does seem like, yes, we're all one. God is everywhere. But if the scariness of the clinging to the old mobile is you fear the BMW <laughs> just because it's not like an Oldsmobile and you're like no 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 we're, right. all, we're all the same we're all the same so I think attacking someone else is kind of like comes from a place of believing that there's otherness more than unity do you see what I'm saying oh, yeah. yeah I think that's absolutely valid and mm-hmm. true my question really is how do you turn someone to believe that we're all one I don't think you go out with a mission to turn someone to believe we're all one yeah mushrooms is a pretty good try <laughs> mushrooms yeah pineapple express helps and and, and truly Maybe. I, I mean i feel I mean, like marijuana could do it well well you know what's interesting though is i was thinking about this one time and i heard dana nessel speak and she's running for attorney general and she said here's my basic philosophy on being attorney general if there's laws that hurt somebody that isn't hurting someone i'm not gonna uphold those laws any other questions <laughs> and we were all like oh that really makes a lot of sense you know and it was this kind of like if we say we're going to love one another you know I grew up in a household that claimed to be like we're Christians and we love one another but there was a lot of gossip and a lot of judgment in my immediate circle and I was very aware of it and I was like this doesn't jam you know this proclamation doesn't jam with daily life and so I think the key is the open when he talks about staying open the key is like I'm going to keep accepting you where you are I'm going to keep believing that the earth is a wild mystery I'm going to keep believing that we're all unfinished faulty humans and we deserve love anyway and we already have it you know kind of that daily renewal of like I'm going to be open to the belief that we have to meet and interact with so many different people for so many different reasons every day and we're going through all these different emotions and changes and the whole world is shifting and the seasons are changing and it's hard you know so to maintain openness and love I think basically is just hard and so there has to be this like constant seeking of wisdom and openness, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I so, think it starts and I, too, like mm-hmm. with, I'm sorry, am I cutting you off? No, go, go. go. I'll just keep okay. going. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's got to. No, so, <laughs> so I think about Shelly, what you're talking about at home, like, you know, absorbing a kind of uh, negativity and like the feeling of, like there is a double standard like uh, and I think that I could probably imagine that we all have felt that way about something in our lives and I just want to say I think it has to do only because I've done a lot of like work on myself in the last five years Mm -hmm. is that I wasn't ready to ever believe in 
anything. And listen, I am like way out there. Like I'm like a pagan, woo-woo, you know, the, the world is a mystery kind of gal. Pagan, woo-woo. I like that. Yeah. But I didn't <laughs> believe in it anything because I did not and I'm going to say that I did not believe in myself and I absorbed the negativity of the world and I put it back out and I mean I had like a moment in my life there was a light bulb that went on and I think some people never have that moment right or we're always looking for something but the relief of you know it's like it's like we'll never change anything in the world because nobody loves themselves (laughs) not to sound cheesy but like you have to believe in something good inside of you and you have to consciously every day work on like putting your best out there. But like you have to come to peace with yourself first, I think, to like truly believe in anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like it's forgiving. It's like going back to the compassion thing. And this is why I wish Rob would have talked about his dark side a little bit more. And I get Does he have he, a dark side? Yes. Yeah, see, I have think, a dark side. See, I think he did. Like, I think his, in my notes, I've got, like, huge confession. Because he talks about, I've thought about this before, when he talks about being a pastor. And it's like, because yeah. I think about the show must go on. There's times when I'm supposed to go, like, be super funny on stage and I'm like I am so not feeling funny today you know I do not want to do this and you got to do it that's your thing that you're doing so if you choose you know a pastoral path like that's fucking pressure man pressure to be I get that you know I get that I feel like and I get that and so I get that he's like leaving out like really personal details Mm -hmm. about his actual episode I get that but like if you go back to what the person who was just talking before me I don't know who's talking. Lauren. Um, Lauren. 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 Chris, Chris, we're going to have to do some FaceTime. (laughs) Yeah. Rhymes with foreign. It's so hard for me without faces, you guys. Honestly, like listening is so hard without watching somebody's mouth. We've got faces. We've got faces. I need to watch What do you think? We're just some creepy gaping jaw over here? It's no, pretty, it's like you understand. I've got a face, right? For real, <laughs> for real. We'll do FaceTime okay. next time. So, this is a experimental pilot. Okay, thanks. Carry on. <laughs> okay, okay. So I think I got a lot that he was tapping into compassion and self forgiveness. And again, for me and my life, like I didn't even realize until lately how little self-forgiveness I have for myself and uh, felt a lot of popular cultural pressure and like just being a person pressure to always digest fucking forgiveness about you know people in your life I mean and I've just always completely struggled with the popular culture do-goody version of forgiveness but to Uh actually start to experience it for yourself when you actually take yourself to task in a real way and go you know what I forgive myself and that level Mm. of compassion and and then sitting in that every single day that comes from for me anyway looking at the shit that keeps me out of the light and in darkness and everybody goes through darkness but without it I wouldn't be able to make the conscious decision to go into the light and to recognize my thinking and my patterns and I just wish that Rob Bell had the freedom or felt like he had the freedom or had figured out another way to tell me more personally about what he had to forgive himself for. Cause I do think that the book really opens up that subject, but like leaving his part of the story out and this could just be nitpicky writer shit. And I'm sorry if it's annoying. Yeah. I think you're going to have to call like, him up and just have a chat. <laughs> 
No, you're huh? going to the it might also like it might also that. be in another book, or maybe he's writing another book. I mean, he has written a lot of books. Yeah. So. And I know he struggles, and I know he admits to it. But it's like in all of his language uses about being open and all the other prepositions that he. I think you should read you his know, blog. You should read his blog. I should read his blog. Yeah. I've seen him with Oprah. I've watched him with Oprah. Yeah, but you can't tell Oprah everything. Other shit's happened since he saw Oprah, and his life probably fell apart after he well, met Oprah. Well, I, I would like Where to accentuate. <laughs> I would like to accentuate Can something I? you're wait, saying. Wait, 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 Kristen. Uh, it'll be real quick, and I just want to say that, like, I think that kind of something that you're getting at is that really forgiving other people involves forgiving yourself, and sometimes that's not kind. Sometimes right. forgiving yourself means you don't carry the person you're trying to forgive's burden. Sometimes that means you push their burden back on them because yeah, I understand that you have this burden and it's yours. And it's not mine. And I have my burden. And I'm going to maybe show you my burden. You know, and that's maybe the only way I'm going to get you to carry your burden, whatever that burden may be. I don't know if burden is the right word, but it's <laughs> what's coming out right now. No, it's right. You know, I'm, I'm with you. I think sometimes you got to lay it down and it's not going to be the best truth because words are going to fall short. So maybe your best truth is a little bit negative and a little bit mean. But the process of forgiving means like, okay, I forgive myself for being an idiot. It's hard though, right? I it's hard. Like, I will say, I'm dark. Chris, I feel like you and I really would be great <laughs> help. Like, I'm Darkness. like, the <laughs> So dark. The ghost at work um, really likes me a whole lot. <laughs> like, pagan woo-woo dark? Or? Yeah. yeah no. Oh, no, yeah. Like, and not only that, I mean, I am, you know, bipolar too. I've had depression my entire life, probably, that I can recall. Talking about, like, substance abuse. I got all kinds of demons. And I'm hearing both of you very strongly that maybe he's just not our guy that we want to hear because we don't identify <laughs> with that voice. But there are voices that you probably do identify with, right? You know, it's like, I want it all laid out there on the table. And that's, you know, I feel like that's what you were saying, Chris. Like, show me your soul. <laughs> like, I want to know where all the bodies are So I just, I just need to call um, out that we said. I want said, the details. We've said, show I me your burden about my own actions, right? Like, Wait. that's how you identify. And that's how you get to forgive yourself. And like what you said, Kristen, give back the shit that people are trying to give you, right? Like, right. Mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like that negativity. Like, you are your own worst nightmare, you know, like internally in your mind, like all the regret or guilt or shame you might feel from any number of reasons. And then if you take on other people's stuff, like that's a toxic kind of mix, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't know, it's mm -hmm. powerful. I'm rambling. But so, so, no, you're um, good. so wait, wait, <laughs> two things, two things. One is we've said, show me your burden and show me your darkness. And when those things were said, it sounded like, show me your burden. The way somebody says, show me your boobs. That's how it came up in my oh. mind. <laughs> show me your darkness, baby. Sh like somebody shouting and throwing beats at you. That's just, just has nothing to do oh, with anything. Like but a, that's like where it came. A little bit, but like with burdens and women. darkness. But with burdens and it's darkness. Your, it's your spirit porn. <laughs> it's, my, it's my spirit porn. Yeah. So I, so I, I want to talk about something just directly from the book and get your take on these things, which is when he started talking about, you know, at some point people decided that 
God and spirit was over there separate and regular life was over there and they do it with jobs like you are a pastor, you have a spiritual life, I'm just a blah, 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 you know, or that building is a church, but over here is my regular life. And I have realized in the last probably five years that that separation that used to be very, very strong for me, probably growing up, is kind of gone. Like I used to have definitely a sense of like, that's over there. That's a special important thing. And Lauren, I'll tell you this story because like when you're walking around and at some point you think like, oh, this matters. This is the, got the weight of it. This has got the weight of like, this is me not saying, oh God, you showed up, but me suddenly becoming aware of how much things matter. So being at your house a few weeks ago and walking around in the backyard with Alex. Oh yeah. And just walking all around the backyard while Megan got her time alone, you know, and holding the baby and just mm-hmm. thinking like, this is magic. Here's this little baby. It is magic. This it is this little baby. And you know, and it's amazing. Yeah. And I get to sit here at this time in his life when he can't talk yet and we all get to be together. And it was that sense of just like, oh this is this matters. And that's when I realized, like, for me, a lot of the way I've lived my life the last five years is realizing that the way I interact with the world is me wandering around like a floaty spiritual thing and interacting <laughs> with a world that's acting like the world and how strange that is for me. And just going like, oh, I guess mm. there's rules and deadlines and things. Okay, I guess you it's guys have really high you. goals. <laughs> <laughs> and then me realizing like, oh my God, I've got to fit into the world a little bit here. I got to act like a regular person sometimes instead of just like a floaty spirit person. But that speaking about like when we decided, like all the different ways that we went from realizing that we were all stardust and we're all part of the universe yeah. and that we're like all molecules and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I've always been kind of fascinated with that, but I feel like I'm so all about it that sometimes I bump into the world and realize like, oh, I'm kind of living in a different world sometimes and I can feel it, you know, like, oh, these these people feel like separate. God is separate from today for some reason. Yeah. I've got to get, I've got to speak in a way that (laughs) this tribe will understand. But that's the thing. And this is, I had to give Shelly like a real talking to because I said, you're like the most spiritual person I've ever met in my life. And not only are you (laughs) spiritual, but like you live your life for yourself and you're a good person on top of it. You put good out there into the world, but I think, I hate to use the word bravery, like, oh, it's so great. But, like, I think it is brave that you're like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to put up with that. Or, like, I'm going to decide to do this because it makes me feel good. And then I'm not absorbing the toxic energy of the planet. Like, think about how many times I have stayed in situations, relationships, jobs, whatever, scenarios too long and like it just fills you up like a tank of gas with like miserable energy you know yeah you I do and you are a delightful fairy from god knows I, goddess knows I, I don't you are descendants from stardust <laughs> I, I can say that I've seen <laughs> I've seen Shelly in a couple of situations that weren't benefiting her and I've mm-hmm. seen her find that realization and move forward and yep. I've seen her sacrifice who she thought she was for reasons which I'm sure she's got a mm-hmm. sense of what I'm talking about mm-hmm. and I think you reach a certain age where you can look back on that with forgiveness and maybe other people don't have to reach a certain age but I really did you know God is present in the blades of grass that's my easiest place to find him because mm-hmm. I can remember being a kid and laying on the side of the hill in the grass and that was the most magical place for me so for me that's everywhere Mm -hmm. and that's really easy for me to understand but I understand that that's not 
the way the rest of the world holds that. I hold a certain dissonance in my mind, which I think Shelly has the ability to do, but she comes and goes from that dissonance. She gets full in and then she realizes later. And I think that as you get older, you realize that your concepts are always changing. Mm -hmm. And that's really hard to understand when you're younger. And people try to give you a structure of where you are and what you're supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and all of these ideas. And it's really hard to really be comfortable with the fact that your idea of what you're doing is going to be constantly changing and you still have to plan for what you're going to try to accomplish with people you still have to try to plan for everything else even though it's all going to change it's like entering into a relationship later in life where you know absolutely everything could change tomorrow but you decide to be present in that relationship and I think that's the easiest thing to apply to multiple people is you know, you choose to be in places with people or to be in a project that affects other people. And you make that choice knowing when you're older, you make that choice knowing that everything is going to change. It's inevitable. When you're younger, you make that choice not knowing that's going to change. You think all the ideas you talked about on day one at that first meeting, that's the way you're going to move forward. (laughs) And you have a really hard time letting go of meeting number one. Like this pilot right now, this is going to be nothing like what it's going to look like in three months if it's still going, right? Like, so, and I think we all know that because we've been around a block or two, but I think that other people, you have to understand that other people never (laughs) learn that lesson. They blame other people because things change. Mm -hmm. It's your fault and her fault and their Mm -hmm. fault that things changed and you betrayed me. And I think that's just a thing that we learn to forgive in other people and in ourselves as well. So how do you guys, Lauren and Christina, how do you guys feel about your sense of otherness of spiritual life versus regular life? Any other thoughts on that? Do you want to go first, Chris? Just listen to all you guys talk. I feel like kind of what everybody was hitting on, really the other and the even the blade of grass comment, because one of the big messages I got as a stoner reader, I don't think there's a stoner out there that wouldn't read his section on the stars and not get something good out of it. Mm-hmm. It was really well done. I thought it was the most realized, executed in his lyrical speaking styles for everything he had to say. I feel like the ultimate best message of the book really is it's not another. It is ourselves. It's really about honor, learning to taking our attention off what everybody else is doing even and really coming clean with ourselves and taking not like an Alcoholics Anonymous inventory ourselves, but all of in terms of like, what do I really look at my own life and say to myself, hey, everything around me says that I'm supposed to act like this, but I keep trying to do that and it just doesn't work. And Ava's commentary about Shelly, she (laughs) has cultivated that. She invented the message, just so you guys know. She has cultivated that, but I, I also know from being around her, from like watching her first from fourth grade and then actually like pretty close friends with her 11th and 12th grade, yeah, this is how, you know, she's earned this shit. I mean, she's, she's, <laughs> whatever she's creating, she's not just doing it because it feels good for her. She's not just doing it in rebellion to fucking what everybody else is doing. But it's also like this hard earned edge of like, you know what? All I know is this is what I think and this is what I feel and I'm going to try it. And she's really like waking up every day and like using mm-hmm. the star stuff. That's where she's at on that day. And that's okay. And of course, she's comparing like our Southern Christian upbringing 
man, we're like way outside the box. From just there you mean God yeah. and God in the same conversation. I've known Chris since the third grade, and I think it was in about the eighth grade that I sat in front of her in some class that I slept through every day, probably like fourth period after lunch. <laughs> and one particular day when Chris knew I would be asleep, she tied my shoes around the back of the chair so that my feet fell asleep. So when the bell rang and I leapt up the way I did every day, I almost broke my legs and neck. But ah! you forgave her, that's, that's how She no, forgave you. It was funny. It was she funny. also had to forgive herself because I'm sure she had messages about how she was checked out during class. <laughs> I used and to just eat too much sugar of cereal. Our entire, one narrative of our entire friendship is that I'm the bad girl and she's the good girl. But I just want to point out in that story, she was asleep in class. <laughs> Yeah, and she was tying my hilarious. shoes to I the desk. I don't ever see her, Shelly, being asleep in class. That's I really was. Funny. I slept, Who am I? I slept to not all the way through school and <laughs> and cash in. Very sleepy. Day after, day after day, she's asleep in class. I was very sleepy in school. <laughs> I ate a lot of sugary <laughs> cereal. God, it's that's, that's it. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Who did we miss, first of all? Because I got lost because I started looking at my notes. And I started thinking about transcendent experiences and, you know, the with. I got into my notes that are about ruach and life force and breath and wind and all that. Mm-hmm. But Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, okay. Jump in there somewhere. You know, I want to kind of bring together what Chris was just saying, too. Okay. I don't know. I feel like the goddess is, for me, one of the the most powerful tools I have is, like, psychology, right? Like, looking at why we do the things that we do, right? And, Chris, you mentioned the Alcoholics Anonymous, like, self-inventory. Have you guys? I'm just curious. Has anyone actually done it? Because I have. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up with it with my dad. deep it man and if you mean if you've done it like i've read them and smoked some weed and then read through them again yes oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. no 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 i'm like so i, I don't okay. know because out of respect for like i smoke a ton of weed but i gave up alcohol right <laughs> you know what i mean okay. um that's okay. something I struggle with. But i think it all goes to and it just made me think like oh like shelly's sleeping in class like all the stuff that we carry with us, right? Like all the trauma of like childhood and parents and life and like feeling like you have to belong in a group and, and feeling like you have to act a certain way and do a certain thing. Like, I don't like when anyone tells me what to do. I, I can tell you that, but I don't think I ever would have That's come a true to statement. with, no, no one can tell me what to do. Are you sure, Lauren? And, yeah. And, well, I mean, that's what you could probably tell me what to do. I have a soft spot for very few people in my world. Right. But it's like, smart. smart. And we do stuff to protect ourselves, right, from that. Like, when I say that I'm a skeptic or a cynic, like, I have that wall built around me because of, like, trust issues or whatever it may be, right? Like, I like to think back to that stuff. But when I started kind of dealing with all this, like, coiled up, bullshit and rage inside of me and like started thinking about like well why do you drink or why do you do this or why do you you know why do you feel bad or you know like when I started clearing all that stuff out and like straightening out the coils and like getting myself inside aligned and organized and like maybe feeling good (laughs) it's like Mm -hmm. that's when I was open to a possibility you know like that's when I was open to maybe there is magic in the grass and the trees and Maybe there's something bigger, but, you know, I'm not saying 
I still, and I'm sorry, Shelly, I say fuck organized religion, but I think you got, you have to make that decision, like, alone, <laughs> like, in the woods, <laughs> and you come to terms with, like, this is what I think, right? Like, mm-hmm. Shelly, like, this is how I'm going to feel, and this is how I'm going to act moving forward. I'd like to speak to that, because I think a lot of what you're talking about is trust, and I had a boss whom the three of you know pretty well, Kieran. Mm-hmm. And he once said oh, to me yeah. in a review, he said to me, I don't think you trust anyone. Yeah. And, and we worked in a situation that's very much a team environment. And I had no qualms in admitting like, yeah, I don't trust anyone. Like that's yeah. just well, not especially a bunch of dudes, a bunch of, a bunch of dudes who are pulling <laughs> like, you into the office the to stick their tongue in your mouth. Yeah. It's like, yeah. of course, I don't trust them. It's taking all of my self-restraint not to drop all the F-bombs. I didn't know that was a rule. I don't I don't know. Is it's it? not. No, oh, OK. No, no. Well, it's, then, it's our show. like, uh, you know, so, OK, great. Say. I can I can fuck it yeah, up. Yeah, they say fuck <laughs> on FX now. So I'm OK, saying, sweet. Like, I mean, OK. I was just trying to not ruin it. Yeah, cool. Anyways, and that for me was a turning point, a realization for me when I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't trust anyone. And I'm okay with that. You know, I trust people for certain components, but even when I trust people, I'm prepared for them to disappoint me. And it's not in a negative way. It's in a way of knowing that I am my own person. And, you know, maybe it's because I'm just kind of have an independent spirit. But I know that, like, I don't have to trust people. I can choose to trust people. But I don't have to yep. expect them to follow through in order to trust them. Yeah. Mm. That those are two very I separate agree. things. And I think there is some element of what this book is talking about in God with that, where he's talking about God being with you. And I may be jumping ahead a step, but I think it's the next one. I think that when God is with you and it's dark and he doesn't give you a way out, you know, like you're trusting him, he's trusting you, but you don't have expectations of each other. Mm in a way. And it's easy for me to, for other people, say God as an entity. But for me, he really is not an entity or she is not really an entity. Mm -hmm. But if you want to picture it that way, then I'm okay to picture it that way because I think it can be, it can be whatever you need. And for me, organized religion seems like a great idea. I like the idea of community and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for me, in reality, there's going to be a barrier for me until maybe later in life, possibly, Mm. where I'm not going to choose to engage my spirituality with other people. Because Mm. I don't really trust them. Hmm. Me too. See, I think of it as like dancing. Like the girls I dance with, I feel like that's my spirituality. And I feel like all the concerts I go to, I feel like that's my spirituality. And I feel like the songs, like when I harmonize with people, like all that to Mm. me feels the same as like, like I don't think... Like, this is church. You know, we're sitting around talking about things. We're connected. That's the same in my mind, Mm -hmm. which is what's interesting to me, is I've never seen the need to put it in, even using pronouns. Even using pronouns is tricky, because when you start, when he talks about those words, when he talks about ruach and kavod, you know, it's too mysterious. It makes it into something that it's not as soon as you name it. Like you said, for you, it's a blade of grass. It's laying in the grass. And so you can't say that's a he or a she, but it gets closer with like the life force or the spirit, you know, that's closer saying it's like music or or wind or something. So, yeah, yeah. I feel like I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but I think no, we're all that dead. Good yeah. because I, I feel like that's the subtitle of our podcast. What? <laughs> I went off on a tangent. I think that I just rambled, flashed one out. Show me your darkness. That. How about it's not really a book club; it's a book tangential. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait, is this church? Is that where am I? <laughs> where are we, um, anyways? Yeah. Hello. You know, 
I red for I think it's very powerful. What the pronoun thing that you guys you were talking about? Yeah. Because and this is no offense, Kristen, but like every time I hear like he and God, like I clench up on the inside. I don't know why. Yeah. I think it's because my mom was super Catholic, and I have like very bad like negative associations with sex. And yeah, in my recent sort of like spiritual journey, which I never thought I would say those words because I did never, I never believed in anything. I believed in like science and primary sources and whatever because mm-hmm. I needed to prove it. Right? Yeah, yeah. I started yeah. to yeah. some dark stuff, like, not dark like that, but like so. I always loved like Greek myths and stuff like that, or like goddesses and like going and like you know, like Celtic and Druid and all this. And I started like reading this stuff and where I found, and Chris, you might like this actually. And I think I actually sent you guys a picture of some of the books, but like there are some dark goddesses out there, man, that I really identified with for sure. But I think that it works for me. You know what I mean? And it could work for, there's nothing wrong with saying like he, God is a he, but like, to me, like, I, I don't know what it is, like, but like I clench up and like, I sought out like the version that I wanted to see, like, yeah. you know, like darker really kind of women who like, you know, like imperfect, of course, or like, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but there's a, a story there that like, I really kind of like vibed with, you know what I mean? Like, oh, of course, and of course. There's some pretty good ones out there, you know what I mean? Like you hear about like the Morgan and some of this other stuff, and it's just interesting, I think, because I don't know how many other women out there feel that way, right? Like, there's I mean, so I know many. Ariana Grande there's, has I mean, the song "God I... Is a Woman," but I'm like, man. <laughs> like, no, but I, I wonder. Yeah, like, I think a lot, a lot, because we're one small culture. I mean, the whole world is a crazy witchy place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about just not a couple of generations ago. My, you know, my great great grandmother was a full blooded Cherokee, and I think about like, why am I not? in a sweat lodge smoking weed I guess I kind of am because my you are I am I actually am I'm like wait a minute that's what I did today I smoked things in sweat this afternoon but what I'm saying is like went to hot yoga it doesn't mean any different to me we're all I feel like we're all just trying to put a name on it which is why we talk about language because you know like do you say that it's the wind do you do you access this through dancing do you access this through ceremony do you access this through ritual so because of the community or whatever the country that we grew up in we had more pronouns you know we had like father son holy ghost you know we that was the language that we grew up with and so maybe if you didn't have a great father figure maybe that language really didn't sit well with you you know and it really twisted your shit up but maybe yeah. you grew up like with a lot of the women around here that i know we're we do witchy things and it feels just as spiritual i know and pure. yeah it's like i want to know more about like that's you and i were having that conversation like I feel like we all have this power. Okay, this is, gonna, this is me like going out, but like this powerful connection with women. Like I've always struggled with it and I have like a few goods, right? Like few powerful ones. And mm-hmm. I know it's something I need to be better at, but it's like when I start talking about this stuff, like, and I'm talking about like my witchy stuff, like, like the herbs and maybe, <laughs> what you're like, talking about, you know, when you like, talk about witches? <laughs> what you talk about when you yeah, talk about herbs yeah. and shit. Yeah. That's, I'm sorry. That's my other podcast. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, but like, that is a common thing. Like Kristen, you hear me when we cook, right. And mm-hmm. even professionally to a certain extent, how many times have you heard like, Oh, well, I love having a woman in the kitchen because of this or, Oh, the instincts or, Oh, this, like, 
and like just the act of professional cooking and like how we put things together, like as a healing. And I know that you feel that way because you're that definitely that kind of like giving sort of person, but like, there's so much you put into it. And I don't know, it's interesting to think about all those little things. And even like, you know, like women at home that cook for their family, like there's so many like sacred rituals around us. I don't know. I feel like we get to put our, our feminine power into so many things, right? <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, man, maybe we are all witches. You know what, we should like do a book. Our a next power. book should be magical realism. <laughs> yeah, or something about witches. Yeah. I recently like for um, had a few days in a <laughs> row where people called me a witch, like successively, right. like different situations, very different like people. People look at me and they go, "Oh, you're a witch." <laughs> and I'm like, like cool, like, like in a positive, in a positive image way. Yeah, in a positive image way, which could definitely be the opposite way, oh. right? But yeah. It, yeah, in but these situations, more. it's just well, it's Ypsilanti also. Sure. You know, people just are more willing to talk about. They're those just things. looking for the meeting. They're, They're just like, looking. Yeah, are you right? Are, are you going? going like, when is it? How do I get there? Is it right can, here? Can I catch a ride? If there's there's one. Are, here, but there's I, one. Do you have a broom? I'd ride a broom. That sounds cool. Yeah, no, but I went through scooter this period, witch. and I'm it's a scooter witch, and like you know, well, I also have this thing where people respond to me with like just total fear, and 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 I'm just kind of like, well, that's cool. I was thinking really nice things about you. I don't know why you thought I wanted to like hurt you, you know, and and you know, it's it's this thing that I have. Yeah, I have it over and over and over again. Every new job I have, there's going to be four or five women later that are going to come up to me and be like, wow, you're really cool. I didn't think you were cool. I thought you wanted to hurt me <laughs> in some way, whether it was I like mental this, or physical really, sometimes. And I'm just like, that's just the opposite. Like it. It's the opposite of who I am because I'm really like, I might be stern with people, but it's because I care and I will bend over backwards for people at my own harm if I'm not careful about it. Yeah. And so I just I've think it's that. really interesting. And really lately, I've had a hard time with people saying to me, after this whole interaction happens, they come up to me and they say, oh, well, it's just that you're really confident. And I mm-hmm. want to scream. I want to scream because I'm like, so to me, the image of God makes so much more sense as a woman. That just makes so much more sense to me. But I use the male image because I'm talking to people that I don't understand a lot of the time when I'm talking about God because I have no religious training. Yeah. No Christian religious training. Yeah, no, no. So, that's, that's so And I think it's an armor, too, that we put out, like, it's a psychological armor because Kristen, every, and you and I have a lot in common because yeah. I'm no longer a chef, but I mean, I know that you are. But not really, no. <laughs> oh, you're not doing that anymore? No. <laughs> oh, well, good for you. It's, well, that's the thing. It's, yeah, it's really, unhealthy. It's really fucking hard and unhealthy because that's a, that's a situation where you have to, and I'm going to be real blunt, you have to act like a man in that job. Quote, act like you know what I mean you have to put yourself out there and women are put between a rock and a hard place you know because there's this tradition of the professional kitchen where you have to do this and act a certain way and then when you do then you get like oh but you weren't a woman about it and you didn't you you know you weren't like here and you know it's it's the most bewildering sort of job and Mm -hmm. it's physically Mm -hmm. demanding it's emotionally demanding and it's like you can't do any you know because they're like a female chef like you know like what an enigma like i want i want you to act this way like projecting well let me but then let me can i yeah they want you to be strong and successful but they also want to hate you for being strong and successful and it's constant and it comes at you from many angles and that's just 
But I think that's true in outside of the kitchen. It's just yeah. accentuated when you're stuck on a line with four guys for <laughs> twelve arms, hours a day. And your arms are getting burned. And your arms are getting burned. Arms are getting burned. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to steer us back I, to a concept that I want to hear your take on, and it's about growing up with the pressure to be good and letting that transform into being loved as is, and how hard that concept is to accept. You know, I feel like that is the journey for a lot of people on their spiritual journey, no matter what it is. No matter if you're becoming a yogi, if you're running a marathon, there's this, like, breakthrough between being good enough to feel love all day, every day, and worthy all day, every day. And when that is burned away or let go of or surrendered to the reality of, like, I'm just loved as is with my mess. Right. And I think he talks about it a little bit in chapter five. And, you know, basically the idea of grace, basically the idea of like, have I dropped the idea of being good enough for love and had let let it be replaced by being just loved as is. And I just wonder where you guys think you are in that. What do you think of that concept? Chris, you haven't talked to well, while. I, I totally came down on again to me that comes back to. Like, how are you living with yourself? Are you really being your authentic self? And that sounds a lot easier than it really is because it's things like if I'm not trusting self around other people or I'm not, I have a conflict with my friend and I never tell my friend that I have a conflict, I'm just stuffing it because I don't want to have a conflict. And then, you know, when you take that apart, you're not really showing up for that relationship. Not that in every relationship you have to like be head on. And so for me, it kind of this whole sort of thing of I need to go to God, which is the other thing to be as is really starts with me being like, let me look at who I am. And is that really working for me to be this as is? And why not? You know, mm. is it because mm. I stuck in these patterns where I repeatedly feel good about myself and I guess those are the kinds of things we pray for like God give me self-forgiveness but it's like the person individually has to get down to business with themselves and in that self-forgiveness that to me is where God is that's God so Mm -hmm. like the whole like it's it's not outside me it's always in me it's in the present moment and it the whole Mm -hmm. trip Mm -hmm. for me is like wait a minute am I in my own body am I checking in with my spirit am I thinking about what's going through my mind you know have I taken accounting for actually how I actually feel with my life do I have forgiveness for myself so I can it's not even about forgiving other people to me I'm like at this point in my life where I'm like you know I'm always going to have an upset with hard relationships but ultimately what I'm tired of what always brings me to my knees is I'm tired of beating up on myself about it Mm -hmm. that doesn't Mm -hmm. feel good and it doesn't work Mm -hmm. it doesn't work and that's what feels bad about guy culturally guy or male pronouns about God is historically as women, I mean, he even talks about it in the freaking book where we're supposed to feel great about being the spoils of war. I don't, that whole section of the, I have to read that like three times. Yeah, it's good <laughs> no, to study though. My, my group studied that pretty in depth and it's, and it's interesting because it's just like it's an a, a yeah. historical accounting, basically. It's like, oh, this is the story in this time and place kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's one story. That's so, one take of that's a story. That's one story. A and story. And guess we don't what? Know. Guess yeah. what, Rob Bell? That's going on down the street. 
like I'm sure I, I'm sure that level of some level of sexism in that story is alive and well. So we are still the spoils of war, in my opinion. It's like ridiculous. But anyway, mm-hmm. I got what he was trying to say. But to me, I'm down with Jesus. I love Jesus. <laughs> but where I where I start to get a little nuts, and it's and it's probably in rebellion to some Southern Baptist upbringing. But for me, it's like as soon as the Christian doctrine started to really, he started to hit harder with it in the second half of the book, which I completely understand why he does. It's his language for God, and that's awesome. And he acknowledges that he he really reflected on the Hebrew tradition, too, to get through his dark times that we know nothing about. Mm-hmm. But it was dark enough to make him write this book. So, you know, I like all of that. I got all of that. Um, but for me, it all comes back to Jesus was just saying, hey, you guys, like you, each, each and every one of us has the power to take a look at our spirit and who we are in this body and take an inventory and be like, I think Oprah says it, but it's like, how can I serve you today or something like that? But I think on some level that serve you is how can I be my best self? Mm-hmm. It's through being authentic. Mm-hmm. When we're authentic, I think all the other stuff about being open and for and all of his other language things that he does i think for me it all fits together because it's just about mm-hmm. literally being in touch with our spirit mm-hmm. it's in our spirit that we connect with that everybody is one yeah right? yeah and and I mean, and he says it about he i think he calls it like shadow management he says yeah you don't transform by denial like it, if you sit there mm-hmm. and try to pretend that you're perfect or try to pretend that you're not in pain or try to pretend like there's no transformation until you go through and face the thing like I'm experiencing yeah. jealousy or I am trying to live with myself being a liar or I hurt someone and never yeah. admitted that I was wrong or whatever it is like there's no transformation by denial and so I think you know I think I've been very fortunate to have been around my church setting has been very like being in a really good school you know when you just have a really good professor of mystics or you have a really good professor yeah. of statistics and you're just like oh we're just learning what this is about we're learning what this book is about we're learning what the poems are about we're learning what the parables are about you know we're just learning it and so there's so much i don't know the the idea of like just letting it be an ancient text that's interesting looking at it the way any ancient text is interesting and going, what is this supposed to teach me? You know, it's a very interesting thing to me. Just that, how did I get to the woo-woo place where I am with this strange ancient text that's in this culture, in this American culture? It's a very interesting thing. And then he talks about yoga. He talks about, like, you know, unity, like getting your body and your spirit united together. And that was very much like, oh, yeah, in my mind, that's also the same that's also the same. Right. So my overall, after kind of studying the crap out of this book, for me it was the really tough attempt, I think, at speaking to kind of a popular audience to just try to, if you've ever tried to get somebody to open their mind about anything even a little bit, and you know how hard it is to (laughs) just try to get somebody to open their mind just a little bit. I was thinking, gosh, I'd love it if my mother read this book. You know, I'd love it if my dad read this book. I'd love to have a discussion with them about it. You know, because they would be coming from a completely different place than all three of you. Such a different place. And that would be interesting to me to try to find some common ground there. They'd be coming from a whole other side. And coming just to where he is to understand this book would be kind of a wild journey. 
the way they talk about God is completely different. It's the Oldsmobile, right? A little to some bit. degree, it's like their version of the Oldsmobile. A little bit. Or it's a story that they were told, and that's the one. You know, some people are told one story, and they're okay with the one story, and they're like, yeah, I'll do that, and I believe that story, and I'll follow this narrative. Mm-hmm. I, personally, was like, nope. Where's the next story? Like, Shelly, you were talking about in school. Like, your church has been a great school. Like, when I went to college at Michigan, I studied (laughs) so many different religions as historical courses. I took a class on Buddhism. Mm -hmm. I took a class on, like, women in the Quran. I took three or four different classes on Judaism and history. I took the Bible as a work of fiction Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. by the famous, like, Shakespeare professor. Like, I think I've always been You've been seeking. You've been seeking. Yeah. Yeah. And I love those, you know, I had a formula in my head that I needed, right? Like, and that's where it's like, you know, church is separate than what you feel inside you, right? Like, that's the general kind of theme that I think we've talked about a lot, like, the idea of religion and what you're searching for answers for, it's disassociated from, like, the hole you might feel in your soul, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like your brain is trying to seek logic. And he talks about this in the book, too. Like, the atom doesn't make sense, you know? or it, Like, it disappears. It transforms, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I always wanted things to make sense, and I wanted to see it, and, and oh, yeah. I love the idea of that. But it's a whole different thing when you're talking about faith in yourself you were talking about like being good or being bad that like really struck me because Mm -hmm. it's like so much of my action in life like I've done like quote bad things to try and fill a hole you know but really because I wanted to do things to harm myself to be good right or to feel like I was good to other people does that Mm -hmm. make sense yeah hold on that's some deep stuff yeah (laughs) hold on one second just because of time's sake so in wrapping up because we've got we're coming up on eight o'clock over here I just wanted to kind of I don't know I loved this discussion this discussion was so different from my last discussion completely different group of people I just loved it because I feel like there's so much to do there's so much to still get to unity you know even among people that you know and love there's so much to do because of the language and because of where we're coming from and because of what we consider to be spirituality and what we are defensive about. You know, it's it's a big, fat topic. So in the nature of wrapping up, any final quick <laughs> thoughts? Final quick thoughts, because it's a huge whopper of a topic, you know? So yeah. any final quick thoughts about the book? Because we've got a few minutes just to wrap up. So, Kristen, any final quick topics about this? It might be interesting to do a little sub-series of talks on different sort of forms of religion that we're interested in. Oh, yeah. And so I was sort of looking, and I didn't find anything quickly, and I didn't want to be too distracted. But, you know, I think it would be interesting to inspect the sort of the witch side next, but I'm not sure if we want to have more discussion on the topics that were about Rob Bell. But I felt, in the end, where we went was less about Rob Bell's book and more about what we would like to talk about Mm. as far as feminine power. So I'm just throwing that out there as a thought because I would like to know where we're headed for the next series. Yeah, I like the idea of us pitching a bunch of books to each other, like let's do this, but I also Mm -hmm. like the idea of going non-fiction fiction, fiction, non-fiction fiction. fiction. You know what I mean? Like something deep and then something folly and then something deep and then something folly. Uh You know, just like a romp. Yeah, We could talk about that offline, but any final words from you two chickadees out there? I mean, probably my two favorite parts of the book are when he talks about the awareness of the particles. Yes. That mm-hmm. have, particles have each other even after they separate. Mm. 
mm-hmm. I've really felt like cut to the heart of what potentially is like the best thing he's trying to say in the book is that it comes down to who we are spiritually and that makes us all one and then he nails that at the very end in the epilogue with I, the surfer saying he sees God everywhere mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like I think the actual sentence is now I see God everywhere mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. the now is really important because that acknowledges like that person's journey that person's trip mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's what yeah. he's talking about yeah that's what he's talking about yeah Lauren any final note yeah no I feel like I really enjoyed when he made allusions to science and kind of got down to those details I enjoyed when he talked about sort of the magic of the natural world and like mm-hmm. you know and that's the, but see, that's what I identify with. And that's what I've figured out. You know, I wonder if I read this book five years ago, what I would have thought, you know what I mean? Or five years years from now, or five years from now, you know, it would have been different for me five years ago. For sure. Well, it was published. I feel like it was maybe 2013. Well, I'm brand new. 2013. I I think that my, I know your journey, your journey is raw, (laughs) raw girl. So this has been wonderful. Thanks, Todd. Will you guys do this with me again? Will you guys keep reading books and Mm -hmm. talking about them in this little room together? Do you want to stay on board with me on this? How many do you think is our limit? Yeah. A hundred. Okay. <laughs> I've just, I've already spoken to a couple of people I think would be interested, but who knows if they'll oh, make no, the Oh, no, no, no. I think we need an online community. I've got five more mics yeah. in here. Yeah. yeah, you can bring a lot of people in here. We have there's, yes, yeah. yes. Our own, our Even own craft brew. We've got yes. mics over there, too, that could yes. probably, probably be pulled we down. We have, like, ten people. And when I said a hundred, I meant a hundred books. Like, we'll check in on how we're doing after a hundred books. Okay, and great. And many cool. microphones we have and Twitter and whatever whatever but yeah go ahead and bring it in so this has been the very first ever reeds and weeds with shelly and Kristen and chris and lauren and uh theo we're gonna go back out with theo again because this is how i talk about god is this (laughs) okay thanks todd thank you thank you todd okay bye thank you lauren thank you christina thanks shelly